Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Akshay Nanavati, author of Fearvana. And if you want to learn how to build better relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend and my brother, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. I'm your host, Travis Chapel, and today I'm chatting with a good friend of mine, Akshay Nanavati. After overcoming drug addiction, PTSD from fighting in Iraq with the Marines, depression and alcoholism that drove him to the brink of suicide, Akshay has since built a global business run, uh, run several ultra marathons, spent seven days in complete darkness, explored mountains, caves, and polar ice caps. Combining his experiences with years of research, he wrote the book, Fearvana. The Dalai Lama said, Fearvana inspires us to look beyond our own agonizing experiences and find the positive side of our lives. Akshay now helps people build a positive relationship to suffering in order to create a life of boundless bliss. You guys are not going to want to miss this episode with Akshay. He's a good friend of mine, and uh, typically whenever I bring somebody on who's a really good friend and, and somebody that I've known for a long time, we, t we tend to have really good conversations, so I know that you're going to enjoy this. But first, really quickly, if you're a six- or seven-figure entrepreneur and you know how beneficial a podcast could be to your business, uh, help you build more credibility and authority in your brand, uh, drive more customers into your business, drive more trust with your current client base, whatever it is, you know that you need one, but you just don't have the time to be able to figure it all out, have me and my team build it for you. We do that at our company, local 
world-class media, just head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. There's a quick application there. And then we'll jump on a phone call to see if we would be a good fit to build your podcast for you so that you can focus on what you're good at, which is servicing your clients. And we can focus on what we're good at, which is building world-class chart-topping podcasts. So travischapel.com slash make my podcast. Akshay, what's up, bro? What's happening? How you doing, brother? All is well, man. Thanks for having me back on the show. Yeah, of course. Of course. So um, your, your first episode was a long time ago. So yeah, let's just go ahead and minute. start <laughs> from scratch almost here and, um, and go build some context for folks listening uh, because your story is absolutely incredible. I, I, love, I love that part in the, uh, the media bio that you guys have that you now help people build a positive relationship to suffering. And I'm yeah. such a big proponent of that. Um, and so I, I definitely want to hear how you got to that point. So let's take it back um, like all the way back. Talk to me about 12, 13-year-old Akshay. What was life like for you? back then what were you up to roger that man yeah when i was 13 i had just moved to the u.s at that age i was born in india lived in india singapore then moved to uh, austin texas and very soon after moving here and you know i had always had a good life like great parents couldn't ask for more but yes. very soon after moving to the u.s i got very heavily into drugs into alcohol super self-destructive i used to cut myself i still have scars on my arm from cutting myself burning myself and you know sometimes i wonder how i made it out i did a lot of things that could have easily killed me and in fact i did lose two friends to drug addiction so was heading down that path until one day saw the movie black hawk down you ever seen that movie of course yes yeah game changer uh, that movie i mean literally planted the seed that changed my life almost overnight stopped doing drugs uh, decided to join the marines it took me about a year and a half to get in because I have a blood disorder that two doctors told me would kill me in boot camp. So I had to kind of fight my way into the Marines. But that's when I started to learn the beauty of suffering, the mm -hmm. beauty of adversity, the beauty of put, doing something scary and testing your own limits, right? Because sure. uh, obviously a boot camp was hard. So after joining the Marines, I went into like cave diving, skydiving, rock climbing, ice climbing, like nature became my playground to push myself and explore the limitations of the, ultimately the limitlessness of the human, human potential. Then in 2007, I was deployed to Iraq as an infantry Marine, where, like, what, where one of my jobs out there was to walk in front of vehicles looking for bombs before they could be used to kill me and my fellow Marines. Mm. So pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, to, to say the least. But yeah. before, sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. Before please. we jump into that part of the story, I'm curious as to why you think you really got into like the drug scene yeah. and like self, you know, self deprecating, you know, types of, of activities back then when you, when you said you felt like your family life was good yeah. um, and everything was okay. Why, why do you think that, why do you think that you almost like took solace in those things? You know, I've pondered that a lot since then. My family's asked, what could we have done differently to had you not go down that road? And you know, one thing is I, when I moved around, I had moved to four cities by the time I was 13. So I was very lost. I did not know who I was in many ways, who I wanted to be, what my path was. And so every time I moved, I kind of was adapting to the world around me and trying to fit in because I didn't have a sense of self really, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, I mean, today adaptability is a strength, but in that sense, it was kind of a weakness. And, you know, while I don't blame my friends, I take responsibility for my behavior, but as a young impressionable sure. teenager, yeah. you, you, you fall into, you know, your environment. And, um, so like I always tell my parents, had I gotten to a group of friends who were, let's say, ultra runners or mountain climbers, I probably would have gone into ultra running, you know, and I've always had this personality to take everything to the extreme as, <laughs> which is what I do now. And even at a young age. So when I got into drugs, me and this one other guy were the first one to start going into much harder stuff. Mm. And he's, he's no longer alive today. He OD'd. And again, that could have easily been me. So partly my personality to push the line in everything I do and partly the environment and just being lost. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, sure, sure. So yeah. what was the, what, like, was it really that one movie that just made you change that perspective or like wh- how, how did that, you pull yourself out of that without all yeah. this like crazy, crazy inner work or, or was that part of the process? That movie planted the seed and I still remember, I mean, after watching that movie and you know, there's that scene in the movie, the one particular one, I mean, there's many powerful scenes, but when Gary Gordon and Randy Sugar, they're two, these two guys who were in a chopper, they volunteer to go on the ground, knowing that thousands of armed enemy personnel are heading their way. They go, they volunteer to go down to set up a defensive perimeter to protect one of their soldiers, uh, Michael Durant. And, and they didn't know that when, you know, reinforcements would arrive and ultimately both of them were killed. But the guy they died protecting, Michael Duran, is still alive today. And they received the Medal of Honor posthumously for their courage, which is the highest award in the U.S. military for valor. So just watching that was, I mean, you know, what kind of human being has the courage to do that knowingly to sacrifice their lives for somebody else? And so after watching that, I read the book Black Hawk Down and then just started devouring book after book after book on military and life Mm -hmm. in combat. And that was, so that movie planted the seed that then I was like, I mean, almost overnight, pretty much at this, that point was just, you know, stop doing everything and said, wow. I'm going into the military. Yeah. Wow. It that's was crazy, man. Almost overnight. That's gotta be pretty unique. No, it was, I mean, it, 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 sometimes even when I look back at like how far I had gone down the destructive path and how I, it, you know, instantly almost changed that because it, it, I mean, as I said, the one friend is, is no longer, I mean, the two friends I lost, but one friend who him and me both started doing harder stuff together. And that could have so easily, I mean, I was at a point, man, I would have done anything that came my way. PCP, heroin, like you name it. I was looking for stuff like that just to try anything that would come my way to push the line, you know? Thankfully more did not. This was in like high school? In high school. Yeah. Yeah. For about a year and a half between 16 and 17. What was happening socially during all that time period in terms of like grades or like sports or, you know, family life? Like, how, yeah, that, how was that all kind of integrating with, you know, being that hardcore of a drug user when you're that? Young? No, great question. I mean, my grades, I always did pretty good. I mean, I'm not trying to say this in an arrogant way, but I was pretty smart, you know, so I always uh, managed to uh, do what it takes. Like I was a B to yeah, A sure. student. I wasn't trying to be an A plus. I didn't care. I did enough to maintain so indian family so grades are everything you know right, <laughs> playing, right. playing the stereo, stereotype there. Sure, yeah. yeah exactly so i did what i had to do to kind of you know uh, be in that that to like uh, not get in trouble grades. exactly to not get in trouble exactly uh and my family they didn't know the extent to how hard i was down this uh, going down this path they didn't, i mean now they know the truth but yeah. at the time they didn't know and granted i mean i was an idiot in multiple ways i got caught doing everything man i got caught smoking marijuana in school i got caught drinking i'd been arrested and sent to jail for lighting a microwave on fire i got caught stealing like i wasn't very good at getting away with stuff yeah that's funny <laughs> So That's they, crazy. so in a sense, they kind of knew, but they didn't really know the extent of how far I had gone down that road. Yeah, uh, sure. What what were they doing? Like, what what was like you know what job? They were. Career? Oh man, uh, my my. So my dad had a very successful corporate career, twenty seven years with three M. That's why we moved mm. around a lot. Uh, we moved from you know from India to Singapore to Austin to Minneapolis. Then he moved to Israel and back to India. Very wow. successful. Has you know has had a great career with three M. Now he's retired, but that's why we moved around a lot. So he was working. He was traveling a lot for work and. And again, it was hard on them because obviously the Indian family now, you know, the, the, the drugs were like crazy, you know, even just getting caught smoking marijuana was, was crazy to them. And so they, but they, again, they didn't know the depth to which, how far I'd gone. So they weren't sure what to do. They always thought that I stopped doing drugs because I got caught. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it actually wasn't the case. I was still smoking even when I got caught smoking weed in school and, and doing much harder stuff. But uh, it was what changed was that movie was when they, when it finally changed. And like only years later did I tell them the truth about really the extent to how, you know, how hard I was going down that uh, path of drugs. Right. Because so, I had come out. Yeah. 
This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is, uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So, okay. So Black Hawk Down changes your life. You start really, you know, carving this new path of yep. wanting to be in the military. Mm-hmm. And then you go find out that they basically are saying, hey, you have these medical conditions. You can't mm-hmm. do that. What, what mm-hmm. was that like? You know, being like literally making this giant shift in your life, yeah. focusing your entire, you know, goals and your aim on this new, you know, type of, type of, you know, path for your uh, life. Yeah. How, how was that realizing that, you know, for, for there's something that's no fault of my own. I might yeah. be able to do this thing that I've been really wanting to do for the last few years. You know, the, the whole thing from joining was an interesting journey because when I first decided to join, I wanted to go Army and Special Forces, like inspired by Black Hawk Down. I wanted yeah. to go Army Rangers into Delta Force, which is one of the sure. best Special Forces units. Mm-hmm. And I realized multiple things. At first, I was thinking maybe I'll go officer route, go into West Point, but I couldn't go be an officer or go into Special Forces because I also wasn't a U.S. citizen at the time. So sort of the path kept changing. And then I had these medical conditions. Now, if it wasn't a post 9-11 military, I don't think they would have let me in. But this was post 9-11. So here's a young, dumb kid who wants to go, let alone, you know, not just join, but go infantry, right? Front lines. So because not only do I have the blood disorder, but I have flat feet and I have scoliosis, which are also disqualifying conditions. (laughs) So I had this series of issues. And I mean, I just went to, so these two doctors, like I had to get a civilian doctor's waiver. Two doctors, I went to one, told me it would kill me. So I couldn't get a letter. Another one, same thing. So I went to a third doctor. He gave me a letter. I took that letter to the Marines. And then it took a year and a half. So I was actually supposed to go right after high school to boot camp, but I wasn't able to get in yet because I was waiting to get these waivers. So I literally applied late admission to one college and thankfully I got in because otherwise I wouldn't have had anything to do that year. You know what I mean? So, right. uh, so I applied late admission and got in. So, I mean, I was in a mindset that I didn't care who's like, who told me what 
this was my path and I was going to do it. You know, I mean, yes. it did nothing Un- else. Until was, it works, not ex- works. exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we all know like that in any context, right? Whether it be joining the Marines, entrepreneurship, that was just what I was going to do and nobody was going to come in my way. Now, again, granted, if it wasn't, if it was not like a post 9-11, the rules themselves probably almost, almost certainly I would put money that that would, I wouldn't have been able to join. Sure. But the conditions were also right. Okay. So this one has been a long time coming and I'm excited to announce the launch of my new company, World Class Media. I've been doing podcast coaching and consulting for individuals and businesses for the last couple of years. And over the last few months, I just haven't been able to keep up with the requests. So in order to serve more people, I've decided to stop taking on coaching clients and start an agency that creates a done for you podcasting solution, as well as monthly production and repurposing services. So if you are a business owner, coach, consultant, entrepreneur, real estate investor, whatever it may be, then a podcast should be be the most powerful business development tool in your arsenal. Imagine having something that is constantly engaging your ideal client, even when you're sleeping, or that allows you to connect with the top people in your industry to build your network and establish credibility, or that allows you to help listeners that are currently outside of your sphere of influence, or that helps you get book deals or speak on more stages or create content once that we can repurpose and distribute across all the platforms for you. That is the power of a world-class podcast that's done the right way. So if you're interested in starting a show, but you just don't have the time, the resources, or desire to figure out all the tech stuff, the hosting, the equipment, the platforms, the production, then you just focus on what you do best, which is serving your clients and running your business. And then let my team focus on what we do best, which is creating world-class chart-topping podcasts. Let's at least hop on a call and chat about it because I'm fairly picky with the people that I work with. And I only work with people who I genuinely think are going to be able to absolutely crush it with a new show. So head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. And we'll chat real soon. So out of curiosity, somebody asked me this question recently, and I think it's a really good question. Um, I'm curious to hear your perspective on it. When do you think it is time to throw in the towel on certain mm. things, right? Because, 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 uh, you know, That's persistence good. and things that they're definitely rewarded. And I'm a very big yeah. fan, obviously, with the, with you know my door to door sales background. Like persistence yeah. is a big part of my DNA. But at the same time, yeah. sometimes you know you're just doing the wrong thing and you shouldn't be doing it anymore. How, totally. how do you know when? How do you know when you are making the right decision to throw in the towel versus I should just remain in this and stay persistent? Yeah, no, it's a fantastic question. Um, you know, I think a big, big part of it is constantly getting the feedback, the external and the internal feedback, analyzing that feedback. So it's not just because a big part of it, sometimes what happens is we're running around like a chicken with his head cut off, just, you know, blindly inactivity versus purposeful action and exercising the feedback based on constantly getting the awareness, the intel on the situation. So I'll give you a very concrete example. I was mountaineering in Nepal. Uh, This was the second time I had been in the Himalayas. First time we made it to the summit, climbed to about just under 21,000 feet. Second time, we were on the mountain and the snow was way deeper than we expected. So, I mean, we were struggling, battling the snow. It started getting late afternoon and we could see avalanche cracks in the snow. And we were like 100 feet, maybe 150, 200 feet from the summit. You could see the summit right there. Hmm. Now, late afternoon, you do not want to be uh, towards the summit, not to mention we're seeing avalanche cracks, right? So, now this is a fine line. Obviously, you want to go to the summit, right? But right. what do you do? So, th- and here's the thing. I could have made it to the summit and come back alive and, um, you know, great. I made it to the summit. Awesome. But at this, but you, could have, you could have kept fighting and then the avalanche could have happened. But you never know, right? The hindsight's right. 20-20. Right. So, we made the call to, to 
quit, I guess, to retreat, if you want to call it that. And I have zero regrets about it, zero regrets that we did not make the summit. So we gather the intel from the environment based on knowledge on like, you know, what, like, I mean, the fact that I was able to read the avalanche cracks, right? Because I knew a little bit about that. I had studied it. So gathering the intel, getting the feedback, internal and external, starting from people who are more advanced than you along the path. So having mentors, having coaches is invaluable on the journey, getting a sense of that. And then, you know, it's again, it's a fine line. It's like, uh, I mean, this is, you see this on, again, coming back to the mountaineering analogy, you see this on Everest all the time. It's like, you know, that summit is right there. Do I keep going? And if you do and you make it back, you're a hero. But if you do and then, you, you know, the other, other on the flip right. side, you, you don't make it back. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I just say gathering that feedback and a relentless practice of self-awareness. So when you're taking action, come back and reflect on that action. It's not mm-hmm. just like blind, purposeful action, right? Action, awareness, action, awareness, looking to reflect. And then you got to make a call. It's, there's no sort of right answer. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a individual path. Yeah, sure. And I think, I think one big thing too, one big caveat is that you have to be okay with the results, whatever the decision that you mm-hmm. make. I think a lot of people Absolutely. get too much in their head afterwards and start this spiraling, yeah, you know, good point. state of regret, you know, like you could be, you, you could have a totally different attitude about what you just said. You could be like, Hey, I like, man, I regret it so much. I wish we would have just gone to the peak. I wish we would have just gone yeah. the extra 200 feet. I wish we wouldn't have retreated when we did. I wish, you know, like you can, you can beat yourself up for the decision yeah. you made, but in reality, you just have to look at it and know that like, Hey, I made the best decision with the information that it, I had. Exactly. Time. And I, if put in the same position again, I would probably make the same decision again. And sometimes you just have to be okay with it and be okay with sometimes maybe it was a wrong decision, you know? And I'm not saying that you're in your case, it, it was, I would have done the same thing that you did, but I'm saying, yeah. that like, no, I feel you in general. Like you have to be okay with the fact that, Hey, sometimes I'm going to make the wrong decision, but uh, that's all part of the journey. If I could make the right decision every time, that would be great. But it's just, it's not realistic. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Expecting that of yourself is only going to make you disappointed in yourself more often and not happy. Absolutely, man. Great point. And then just take the lessons and move on, right? Like, I mean, it's that mountain is not the first time I've failed at something. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, and it won't be the last. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay, yeah. so okay, so Marines, you um, you come back from the Marine Corps and then basically have a relapse, essentially, right? So after Iraq, uh, yeah, I mean, so I deployed to Iraq, came back from Iraq, and uh, soon after coming back, I got not into I mean I never got back into drugs but I had always been drinking at this point but the drinking started to take a heavy toll I mean I got to a point in my life man that I would be drinking a bottle a day a full mm-hmm. bottle of vodka a day just drink till I wow. pass out and keep drinking and this would go on for five to six to seven days until my body would just I mean I've, I've been a moment where I'm throwing up and after I throw up I pick up the bottle and drink again like horrific you know it's just it's such a dark space and one day after like one of these binge sessions i was i mean i woke up just thinking there's no point in going on and was about to walk over to my kitchen and pick up a knife and slit my wrist hmm. that was kind of rock bottom right there yeah sure do you think that um do you think that you kind of explained away the dependence on alcohol because it was like, you know, comparatively to the other drugs that you were doing when you were a teenager was, you know, quote unquote, just alcohol. Like, do you think that was something where it was just like, Oh, you know, I don't have to worry about this because it's just alcohol. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Any of that play into that? Absolutely, man. Like, because yeah, drugs have a different feel, right? Just the word drugs. These are drugs. They're illegal, right? right? Alcohol's not. It's everywhere. And it's, uh, so it's just alcohol. So for a long time, it's socially acceptable. I mean, so for a long time, I didn't even see it as a problem. Like, I mean, I was still, you know, I had a, uh, when I first got out of uh, the Marines, I had a corporate job 
successful corporate job for a year and a half, then quit. It was still running hard. I mean, I spent a month dragging a 190 pound sled for 350 miles across Greenland in minus 40 degrees. So doing wow. these awesome intense things, then came back from that, built a business. So it, like I was a quote unquote functioning alcoholic, right? Like sure. I would, sure. I would still drink on Friday and then maybe Friday would lead to Saturday. And eventually, obviously it took a toll but at first I didn't see it as a problem. And obviously now in hindsight, it clearly was a problem much before I actually recognized it as one. But yeah. exactly to your point, I sort of, yeah, it's just alcohol, whatever. Do you stay away <laughs> from all of it now? Now I'm 100% sober, yeah. I've realized over the years, I'm not really good at moderation. <laughs> yeah, got it, got it. Yeah, and, and that's, that's fair, man. It's definitely a personality thing, you know? Like, Absolutely. And, and obviously you're somebody that just crushes whatever it is that you're doing. So if that thing that you're doing is a bottle of alcohol, <laughs> you know, that's probably then, not a thing to crush. <laughs> yeah, no, I've kind of realized that either I'm going to end up in a ditch dead on alcohol or drugs or do absolutely great things in the world. There's going to be no middle ground. <laughs> yeah, right, so, right. So now I've just channeled the extreme Which is almost like freedom in and of itself is the realization oh, yeah. that that's accurate because then you, t you take the choice off the shelf, right? Like love, you take the choice the of like, of, of do I drink today or do I not drink today? It's like, nope, I don't do that. So I just don't. Yeah. What, I love the way you do, do I do that. Yeah. yeah. And I did try to moderate for a little bit and then it sort of didn't work again. <laughs> so now yeah. I just channel it to like ultra running. As you know, I do a lot of ultra running in my business yeah. work. So uh, yeah, just channel it in a healthy way. So what was your first ultra run? And for those who don't know what exactly that is, can you kind of define that? Sure. So an ultra marathon is basically anything more than a marathon is considered an ultra marathon. So race wise, they have 50 Ks and you go up into 50 milers, 100 kilometers, 100 milers, and they even have 200 milers and stuff like that. So anything more than the 26.2 miles, which is a marathon. Okay. Uh, and my first one, like I've actually only done one official race, which was a 50 K. Other than that, I do ultra marathons on my own fairly regularly. So I can't even remember. I've done a ton of them. Uh, the most recent ones that stand out was one where I just did uh, 80 miles around a 0.2 mile loop. So 400 laps around this 0.2 mile loop for like 20 hours. That was psychological torture beyond the physical torture as well. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why, actually? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I, get, I get that a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the reasons why I chose to do the around the point to my loop is I want to get to a point where my internal state can be so centered regardless of the external state. Now, I'm not even closer there. This is kind of a lifetime of practice, right, to develop this. But sure. I want to be able to run, whether I'm running a point to my loop or running in the magnificent mountains of uh, Montana or something, right? Like regardless of the external environment, my internal uh, state is still the same. So running around a 0.2 mile loop offers that opportunity to train. I mean, obviously it's nowhere near as fun as running. You know, I've done some amazingly beautiful runs in like Bhutan or the 17 mile drive in California and Montana, you know, where you're seeing nature, you're in these spectacular areas, different world than running around this damn loop for 20, 20 hours. Yeah. But but I'm it was it was training to I mean for most of that run I had no iPod no music nothing so just being with my mind and and in a way it's even more challenging than running on a treadmill because in a treadmill for example you can kind of cover up the screen and get lost in the flow of this in this way every loop is just this brutal reminder of how little you've actually covered 
You know what I mean? Right. So, so you have to navigate your mind and man, that's a fascinating battle. Yeah, no kidding. No it's, kidding. <laughs> tell me a little, I know we talked about this, like just kind of hanging out uh, one time, but tell me about the darkness retreat that you did. Cause that's something that, that I find yeah. super interesting. So this was all within a span of like a month that right after the, this crazy run, I went and spent one month in pitch. I mean, sorry, one, not one month, one week in pitch darkness, isolation and silence. And one of the reasons why I went there was, so after I, like, a, was it now two years ago or something? I went through a very challenging divorce, really rough, went through this whole battle with that. And uh, I ended up breaking my sobriety. And obviously I did not like that about myself. So I realized some, there's still parts of it missing within. I needed to go deeper within to find out what's going on there. And I've always had this fear of stillness, which I would argue that we all have, but sure. yeah, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not like, it, it's not something people would consciously say. If you say, are you, what are you scared of? I don't think people would say stillness, yeah. but from my experience of humanity, we do. And which is why we do everything to avoid stillness. Right. 100%. So being the kind of person who embraces the extremes, I found the most intense way to go confront stillness. And, uh, it was seven days in pitch darkness and complete isolation, silence, and an incredibly profound, deeply spiritual experience. I mean, yes. I would highly recommend it to everybody. To everybody, really? Yeah. I mean, would you, you, recommend, would you recommend the other things that you do to everybody? I, I mean, I'm not saying you have to do what I do to find the sort of spiritual awakening, sure. but you do have to, I would argue, you have to suffer. Find yeah. your own ways to suffer. It doesn't have to be seven days in darkness. It doesn't have to be running 80 miles around a 0.2 mile loop. But push yourself, engage, go into spaces where one part of you wants to fight and the other wants to quit. And the more you put yourself within that battle, the more you will find an awakening, the more you will find a spiritual pathway that will not only teach you, I mean, not only spiritual awakening, but in every context, personally, physically, financially, in your business, you know, so you have to suffer to grow. And yes. there's, so the, the idea is find your, and, and the more you do it, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't someone who always running 80 miles or doing what I do. I mean, when I was a kid, man, I was terrified of Ferris wheels, Ferris wheels. So it wasn't that I was born this kind of, I mean, I built it over time. Yeah, so the right. more you kind of step into suffering, the more you'll want to keep pushing the line because you will find the beauty in it. And the reason I love this message so much, man, is because everybody in culture is always preaching the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. everybody's mm -hmm. always telling you to seek comfort. Yeah. Like any, like all marketing channels are all pushing you to easy. The comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, like we, we live in just, if you, if you rewind a couple thousand years, like this is just how everybody lived their lives. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that's a better way to live. I'm, you know, obviously I, I'm glad that I was born now and not 2000 years ago, <laughs> but, <clears throat> but to your point though, we were built biologically to suffer. Absolutely. And that's where, that's where we mm -hmm. find a lot of our, a lot of the beauty in, in our lives and that, and the pursuit of the things that we, that we love and in pursuit of those things that make life like worthwhile, like those, yeah. those things require suffering in some form, mental, physical, emotional, like they, like yeah. they require you to go through those things to, in order to be able to have that positive result at the end. Yeah. Like and said, just, everybody's always like, you know, preaching the, we live in houses and we drive yeah. cars. Like <laughs> who is built to make us avoid suffering? Absolutely. We I mean, even, do even it from purpose. our core, even from like the core ethos in America, right? What do we say? The pursuit of happiness. I believe that itself.
itself is a flawed concept because when you pursue happiness, then suffering becomes a barrier to that. If mm -hmm. you pursue meaning, instead of pursuing happiness, we should be pursuing meaning because then suffering becomes a part of the adventure. Suffering becomes mm -hmm. something of value, not an obstacle to the path of happiness. And even what you're saying, man, I mean, marketing messages in the fitness space is such a good example of this. Everything is saying like how to get six back abs and walking 14 minutes a day, mm -hmm. you know, how to lose weight without exercise. Now, like yep. technically I know that ex that losing weight is more about the diet than the exercise. Like I know all of that. This is not, that's not the point. The point is we are saying, here's how to get a result in the easiest, quickest right. path. Yep. And that's the flaw. It's not about getting there. It's not about the six pack abs. It's not about the million dollars. It's about the person you become through the transformation, which only yes. happens in the struggle. Yep. And we, yep. so per, it's becoming the yeah. King Arthur that can pull Excalibur, right? It's becoming it. the version of yourself. Absolutely. That allows you to be able to, to enjoy the things that you've been able to build. Yeah. And so that's why it's about pursuing that meaning. I call it your worthy struggle. Find your worthy struggle. It could be hosting a podcast. It could be writing a book, everything worthwhile, man, you know, building a business, hosting a podcast. It's not easy. It takes work, you know, uh, and that work is beautiful. I don't, I also don't like that idea that people say, you know, if you love what you do, you'll never have to work a day in your life. I think that's garbage, man. Like I love yes. what I do, but there are days where it's work. It's yep. hard work sometimes, man. <laughs> yep. But that's what you know? makes it awesome though. That's like, what makes it awesome. Anything that's exactly. that good is equally that bad. Exactly. I love it. Everything worthwhile I've done in my life from joining the Marines to building a business to writing a book to running ultra marathons is I've gone through at least one moment where I'm like, this really sucks. Why am I doing it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why, why am I just like not on the beach in the Bahamas? Right? My time? <laughs> yeah. But that's what makes it worthwhile to your point. Yeah. I love Absolutely. it, bro. Um, we're, we're so on the same page with so many things. Um, I, I appreciate you for coming on. I do want to ask you this question because it's the question that I ask everybody that comes on the show and it's about networking, it's about relationship building. And uh, yeah. one thing that I want to point out that I just kind of like kind of glossed over when I introduced you was that you got the Dalai Lama <laughs> to write the foreword of your book, which is just absolutely amazing. Um, so I know that this is something that I know this is a value that you hold near and dear. And I know that you and I are both in a, a mastermind that cost a hundred thousand dollars to be a part of. And so I yep. know that relationship building and networking and mentorship and all these things are a big part of your DNA. So I'm curious to hear your answer to this question. Do you believe Akshay that who you know or what you know is more important and why? I think, I think it's a combination of both. Obviously, who you know. I mean, we both know that. The connections. I mean, success. I hate to say, hate to say that cliche, but success is a team sport. You know, Nothing worthwhile happens alone. It's mm -hmm. mentors. It's coaches. It's people you support along the way. People yeah. who support you. So it's that team. But what you know also contributes to that. Because if you pursue mastery at your craft, like, I mean, there's that uh, book and that quote from Steve Martin, be so good, they can't ignore you, which yeah. I absolutely love. And so if you, if you become that kind of person who is just the highest level at your craft, what you know and who you are, it will draw people to you. You know what I mean? So I think it's absolutely a combination of the both and you gotta be pursuing mastery at both. Love it, man. So what, what are you up to these days? What, how can we support you? How can we get to know you better? Uh, you know, what I'm doing right now is continue spreading the Fear of Honor message, helping people navigate their experience around suffering. So I have the book, Fear of Honor. It's on Amazon and Audible, Kindle, paperback. All the profits go to charity. I also have training courses on my, on my personal website to help people pursue mastery, mastery at their mind, their body, their spirit, and a course on how do you get publicity. So how did I get the endorsement from the Dalai Lama and stuff like that. How do you get your message out there in the biggest way possible? So I have courses around that and just uh, spreading, spreading that word, man, helping people pursue mastery of mind, body, spirit, and their craft. Amazing. Where can we find those courses? What, what, what website can we access those? Uh, fearofana.com. You can find me at fearofana.com and just reach out if there's any interest and uh, share a little more about that. Uh, and then, as I said, the book as well is on Amazon. So, 
Love it, guys. If you're listening to this right now, make sure to go pick, be, be sure to go pick up a copy of Fearvana, the book. I promise you, you will not regret that. Suffering's required, guys. It's required for happiness. Mm-hmm. It's required mm-hmm. if you want to build big things. And um, so learning how to navigate that and actually be thankful for it is a complete mindset shift that needs to mm-hmm. happen. And so I'd highly recommend going and picking up a copy of Akshay's book, Fearvana. Just go to fearvana.com. That's fear, F-E-A-R, Vana, V-A-N-A.com to learn more about Akshay, connect with him over there. Tell him you heard about him here on the show and thank him for coming on. Akshay, thanks so much for coming on, my man. I really appreciate you. And thank always, you, brother. always look forward to the time we get to spend together. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high-quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls. There's accountability crews and more all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.